Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and this Sunday's podcast is about Halloween candy, legendary nicknames, and the 10 and 3 Detroit Pistons who finished up a 5-0 and homestand in the moments before this call. Ben, Jamie, and I talk about how deep this Pistons team is, why Tobias Harris doesn't draw more fouls, and how much to worry about Stanley Johnson's back-slash-hip injury. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast, and the best way to do that is to like, share, and leave comments. Please leave comments on iTunes. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. And also, you should follow DetroitBadBoys.com, the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how you doing? Doing great. Five game homestand, five wins. When is the last time that's happened? I don't even know. So doing real good. According to Austin Drake, who I think works for the Pistons uh, Stats and Info, it's the first time they've swept a five-game homestand since uh, February of 2008. Wow. So it's been a while. Wow. It's been a while. That's a minute. And yeah, and that other voice you hear is Jamie. Jamie, how you doing? Doing great. Also, just completely psyched about the five-game sweep at home. Ready to hit the road and get some more Ws. All right. So we'll, let's let's dive right into the Miami game then. So the the big stories coming out of that game, I think, are the the play of Luke Kennard, uh, career high fourteen points, uh, looking looking very poised very composed for a rookie playing in crunch time when uh reggie bullock was well i think they're they're playing miami's playing a small lineup and so you can you can get away with canard at the three in those lineups you've also got uh, a game of runs as you were telling me ben talk a little bit about uh, the fourth quarter and how it kind of went back and forth yeah well, i put it out on twitter at one point because this game was all over the place and there were double digit leads really was on both ends. Right. I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun from that perspective. Obviously it's a little more fun because the Pistons came out on top, but very back and forth. And I don't think that's something the Pistons have necessarily done a whole lot of the last couple seasons. Right. Um, this season, I forget who I saw on Twitter tonight who put it out there. It's either three or four games where the Pistons have been down double digits and come back to win. And that's tops in the NBA. So that's a super encouraging, super encouraging trend. Um, you know, the last two seasons, the joke has been third quarter collapse and fourth quarter collapse. And tonight we saw the opposite. So that's, that's outstanding. Yeah, I agree. The, the thing that intrigues me the most is how they're, they're clawing back into games with, with their defense. They were swarming defensively today. So Stan was matching up with the the heat plate small to end the game, no white side. So they went with James Johnson at center. So Stan Van Gundy rolled out uh, Reggie, Avery, Luke Kennard, Tobias Harris, and Anthony Tolliver as a crunch time lineup, which is lineup of death lineup of death right there. I don't think I expected to see that lineup. (laughs) But 
played really well. They played right? really, really well. Yeah. Uh, it, defensively, it was like night and day when that lineup came in. I thought in the second and third quarter, the Pistons kind of got stuck ball watching a little bit. They were late on closeouts, um, and it didn't help that the Heat were just hitting everything from beyond the arc. Um, but that smaller lineup, I mean, they they were they were switching quick. They were uh, hawking the ball. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, the Heat went. Uh, let me see if I have this right. They went. Where did go? Two of thirteen from three in the second half. Wow. After after shooting twenty threes in the first half and making you know more than half of them, so that. Definitely making those halftime adjustments. Stan Van Gundy did a great job and going small. I think a moment that summed up the defensive effort for the Pistons for me was, uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter, Drummond got tied up with Whiteside at one end and was late uh, hustling back down the court for whatever reason. Um, So Kennard filled in and switched and just stuck his hands in the air. And uh, it was enough to disturb Whiteside and we ended up getting the ball back. I mean, Luke Kennard, who's like six foot nothing compared to Whiteside, um, stopping Whiteside underneath the basket. I mean, that that says it all. <laughs> well, don't don't give him no credit. He's six foot six. He's just got you know, he's got T Rex got T Rex arms. Yeah, put him next to Whiteside though, and it's like I mean, it'd be like me trying to guard like someone six foot six. It's just it's not pretty. That's five games in a row. That's what something crazy like seven of their last eight games. They've, yeah, it's seven of their last eight. They head on the road to Milwaukee on Wednesday, then at Indiana, and then at Minnesota, and then Cleveland at home on a back-to-back. That'll that makes up the bulk of the next week. Ben, how many games? They're playing really well right now, but how many games out of that stretch do you think they'll win? Ben, sorry, fair warning. I had checked the baby monitor and forgot to unmute myself. Well, we thought you were uh, thinking really hard about how many games they were going to win. I was, I was doing algebra and. <laughs> so you are the numbers see. guy, so I mean, I that believe it. At the Bucks, at the Pacers, at the T Wolves—that's kind of a tricky stretch. And then the Cavs game is back at home, which I mean, the Cavs are not very good right now, but but it's on a back-to-back. It's on the second end of a back-to-back. They'll be traveling that day back. I mean, we're undefeated on back-to-backs, guys. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's so hard to say because I want to be optimistic and say, oh, yeah, they can win four of those games. But, like, at some point, the shooting is going to fall off. And I said that last week, and this this week, the shooting really didn't fall off. So I'll take it. But, I mean, these guys are just shooting out of their minds. Um, I guess the question is just when, and I don't know the answer to that one. So I'm going to, I'm going to go conservative and I'm going to say, let's see, that gives us those four games. I'm going to say they're going to split. I'm going to say they're going to go two and two. All right, Jamie, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say three and one. Uh, I think they drop, they either drop one in Milwaukee or in Minnesota. Um, but I think I'm pretty confident they'll find a way to get wins uh, in Indiana and then back at home uh, against Cleveland. I, I mean, I'm going to that Cleveland game on the 20th, and from the, the buzz around here, I expect that game to be, I mean, as close as we're going to get to a sellout for this Pistons team thus far. Uh, so it'll be, pretty, it'll be pretty amped up. 
Yeah, the Cleveland games and the Golden State games for the past couple of years at the Palace have been uh, pretty well attended. People come to see LeBron and Steph and KD. And... It's like half a Cleveland crowd normally, so I'm I'm curious to see how it'll be this time around. But non-playoff edition, the Pistons have also played well in those games, I seem to recall. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I went to the Golden State game last year. It was very competitive, and I'm going again this year actually as well. So, yeah, they're, they tend they tend to play up, right? That's been their time. Oh, yeah. BG, I'll be there too. Nice. Nice. You guys can meet up. Yeah. Real life pod. Real life pod. <laughs> Facebook live. Yep. Record, record it from the, uh, that, that, uh, that food area that they have that apparently like everyone. <laughs> is, is the downtown in. market area. Yeah. Oh boy. Why aren't you sitting in your seat? It's like, uh, I don't know, man, this pulled pork. It's really good. <laughs> I will say the crowd tonight was uh was impressive. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the lower bowl turnout for a, a Sunday afternoon game. That's fair. I think some of that they were hoping for to get some of the secondary lines crowd. The lines played yep. at one o'clock today. They uh, I didn't actually watch this game because it was the Browns. Apparently, they had some trouble with the Browns. They did. They yeah yeah. I thought we were gonna lose. All right, that that's fun. But uh, <laughs> but I think we're gonna lose every game because that's just what the Lions have trained me to think. So the Lions are just like a factory of like sadness. So. Yeah, basically. And that was talking Lions. <laughs> Let's get back to our good space. I know, yes. right? Yeah, five game five game win streak, and I'm talking about the Lions all <laughs> the Browns. That was that was cliche Detroit sports fans right there. That's the segment. So actually, let's let it let's go to something a little bit negative, something I'm a little bit worried about personally that I wanted to get you guys' take on. So Stanley Johnson hasn't played in the last three games. Uh, at first, it was listed as a sore right hip flexor. No big deal there. But it came out today that the injury that he's feeling is still related to the back injury he was experiencing in the preseason. He just hasn't been able to get his back loose for the last week or so. I'm, I'm encouraged that they're holding him out and not he's not playing through it. But at the same time, back injuries are notoriously tricky. I remember Tracy McGrady had back injuries for years, and so he'd be in and out of the lineup. Ben, what what do you make of this injury? How do you think this affects the Pistons' chances in you know the next 10, 15 games? I just had flashbacks to Tracy McGrady and John Cuser, so thank you for that. That uh, that's, <laughs> that's my negative space since I don't watch the NFL anymore. Come on, guys. Um, Good second best record in the league. Let's go. Let's let's keep the positivity going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said last week that if it was just a hip flexor, I'm not worried about that because that just takes a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I, I saw on Twitter. I didn't read. I didn't click through, but I saw that they were a little bit worried about his back. Obviously, that's a concern. Um, Bullock was was not good tonight. He did basically nothing. Uh, but depth, right? Like Kennard stepped up and, and we ended up not even missing Stanley. Really, I mean, Kennard is a very different type of player than Stanley. He's obviously not the lockdown defender that Stanley is, but looks smooth and comfortable. Um, so uh, the flip, the negative part of it is, yeah, Stanley's injury is not good, especially if it's back. The, the uh, flip side of that coin, though, is it gives people a chance to step up. And it seems like every time someone's had an opportunity to step up this season, the players have done it right. I mean, Ish has stepped up in games where Reggie has struggled a little bit tonight. I think Reggie, Reggie was okay, but he struggled and Ish played really solid in the second half. And we've seen that time and again. So, you know, winning covers a multitude of sins. It's hard to get too hung up 
on what's hopefully just a, a minor nagging injury when guys are stepping up uh, when given the opportunity. And when people ask me, like, what is this team for real? Is this, like, all sustainable? I, I That's the only thing that I'm like, it's going to fall away eventually. It's like every game so far, whether it's Kennard tonight or it's Tolliver or Ish Smith or Galloway, someone's stepping up and, and contributing nicely off the bench. And I just I fear the day when everyone on the second unit goes cold. <laughs> yeah. The thing I'm worried about the most, I think, is that the small forward position is one of the least deep positions on the team. From raw small forwards on the roster, we basically got Stanley Johnson and Reggie Bullock, and that's it. I think Tobias can can play some three. Stan clearly doesn't agree with me. So I'd be interested to see some lineups in the future where Tobias is at the three and we have Tolliver at the four or Lure at the four when he gets back. And I think he's progressing nicely, so I'm not nearly as concerned about that. Or or maybe even Ellenson, if Ellenson is practicing well and working his way back into the lineup. And, and that's how you cover Stanley's absence a little bit. But at the same time, I'm, I was really encouraged by Stanley's play and his development, and that's a really important part of what the Pistons need to be doing uh, going forward. And so not seeing him, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, he's, he's healing, but uh, not seeing him is making me just, just the tiniest bit nervous about what this team is going to look like going forward. And, you know, the flip side of that is that Reggie Bullock is getting a ton of minutes and he's not playing very well. So when, <laughs> when, when the team encounters a, a team that can play big at the small forward position, when uh, you encounter a, a Milwaukee, say, next game, with with uh, a Giannis or uh, Chris Middleton playing the three, Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock are not going to cut it against those guys, and that's why you need Stanley Johnson. And so that you know that that bears watching, that bears worrying about, in my opinion. To to move on a little bit from that, so Tobias Harris apparently it it dropped the uh, this week. We got the inside scoop from James Edwards at the Athletic. That Tobias had LASIK eye surgery during the uh, the off season. Yo, shouts to off season surgery for the Pistons. I mean, between Drummond's nose and uh, Tobias's eyes, like just the cosmetic surgery coming through huge for this team. <laughs> I mean, I would publicize the heck out of that. Yeah, put the, put the full blindfold on during the off season and everything, and now when Tobias is coming out shooting over 50% from three and, you know, made the most threes in Pistons history for the first 13 games. By a significant margin too. Yeah. I, th- I think like second was, I th- I know it's over 40 and then second is Dumars with like 34, which is crazy. Yeah. So how long, Jamie, do you think this continues? How long do you think Tobias Harris continues to shoot 50% from three? I I don't know about 50%. I think it's going to continue for a while. Um, I saw a stat on Twitter the other day. Apologies that I, I won't shout you out properly. Um, but through, through nine games, he had already hit over four threes four times. And now today, I think it's his fifth time. Um, last year, he only had done that four times the entire year in 82 games. So... Clearly, his role in the offense is is working well. Um, I don't know about you, Ben, but I feel just so validated. You were like the captain of the motion offense. Uh, give Tobias the rock uh, ship, and it's it seems to be working out so far. So I think this can sustain. I I really think this is a uh, all star year 
for Tobias. Yeah, I mean, so the LASIK surgery sort of changes the equation, right? I mean, he's shooting an absurd percentage. He's not going to shoot 49%. I don't think there's no way that's going to happen. Um, but it does shed a little more light on it, right? Like you, you see guys make improvements and you see even really good three-point shooters, it can be really volatile. Like look at the best three-point shooters in history, even like a Reggie Miller. His three-point percentage is all over the place. Uh, you know, his average is really good, but it, it jumps around. So uh, the LASIK surgery reveal is really interesting. And it reminded me of my middle school years when I got um, contacts for the first time. I remember going to basketball practice my first day in, in contacts, and it was like a revelation. Like I could see the rim from the 70% from the field. Like, <laughs> just Walt Chamberlain. Yeah, I mean, I was like <laughs> Langston Galloway just making everything. So. That's interesting. I mean, I still think, yes, the shooting is going to fall off somewhere, sometime, somehow. Um, but it, it it does suggest, like a, a physical improvement, like an improvement to your eyesight, does certainly suggest that maybe there's more going on here than just a 13-game shooting streak. My, my thing is that even if he doesn't continue shooting 50% from three, which he won't, just to be clear, that won't happen. But as teams you know, have to run out and close harder on him. He's going to be able to drive past guys. We already saw that a couple times today in the Miami game. He will, he'll be able to get to the rim more easily and hopefully draw some fouls, which is an area that he just hasn't been, been able to do so far. You, I don't know why Tobias doesn't get as many calls as he should. I mean, all the, all of the Pistons don't get as many calls. It's crazy. The, the amount of times people go to the rim and don't get a whistle. I mean, I hate to, I hate complaining about refereeing because it makes you sound super duper homer. Like, what, nothing is more homer than being like, "Oh man, the refs!" Like, I mean, up. this is this is the uh, Detroit Bad Boys podcast. If there's one place we can be homer, it's here. True. So that's why I'm gonna go ahead and say this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Avery, Reggie, and Tobias should all be shooting like seven free throws a game. There's, there's... There's no reason in my mind that that shouldn't happen. I'd agree. I totally agree with Avery, and I pretty much agree with Reggie. But I think I think Tobias pulls up more. I, he t- he kind of takes the the floater or the eight foot pull up more than he should, and it works for him. He he makes that shot a lot, but he doesn't really attack the rim. He attacks the paint, but he doesn't attack the rim. Um, now, if your point is skill set wise, he should be able to get to the line six times a game. I totally agree with you, but I think right now that would be probably my only critique of his offense is that he stops two feet short of where he needs to to really attack the rim a lot of the time. So I think it's partially because he doesn't he doesn't go up seeking contact as much as maybe he should. He did, he goes he goes straight up with his arms to shoot layups. He doesn't kind of extend out and then up, which is what. I affectionately call the James Harden, where you just stick, <laughs> stick, stick your arms out horizontally and then raise them to shoot. It's like, oh, hey, look, the guy, he raked me. You know, there's no reason why foul, foul drawing is a skill and it's an underappreciated skill, but there's no reason why Tobias can't be better at it. I, I will say oh, when, when he does drive, uh, I, I've never seen him like work the refs. And I think that's a part of like part of the game. Uh, if you're going to the rack a bunch, you need to know how to like properly like communicate with the refs in the flow of the game, uh, so you get them on your side a little bit. I've never seen him kind of do that, so I, that could be part of it. That's fair. He got that tech 
in uh, Los against the Lakers after he got like raked and didn't get the call. And then, it takes like an egregious no call for him to get mad. Otherwise, he's just like moving on to the next play. Right. You know, as long as he shoots fifty percent from three, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The other thing I will say is I feel like um, Stan Van Gundy owes a commission to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. It was I forget which game it was this week, but. Um, I don't remember if it was Blaha and Kelser, if it was Blaha's sub, I forget. But they talked about how uh, the Van Gundy brothers got together this season and Stan credited Jeff with suggesting yes. the motion offense. And I was like, seriously? I, this is what I'm saying. you got to feel so validated. You've been captain of this ship for so long. I, he might as well have said, Ben Golker, thank you so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can hit up Keith Langloy and get some uh, – Get some I I so wish that like we had like a a Ben Falk cleaning the glass type writer for the Pistons who could write about like pitching stand on a motion offense. I would I would devour like a fifteen hundred word piece about that. That would be fascinating to me. Free idea to James Edwards or any other Pistons beat writer. Get into that. Just call up Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, call up Jeff. He he said Jeff and uh, I forget the assistant coach's name, but he said, "Yeah, yeah." I would call Jeff, call Bob. I I would read that all day. Because you know Stan's a really stubborn guy, and so you know he was just like sitting on his couch during the off season, and he's calling, he's watching tape, and he's just smoldering. And he calls his brother, and he's like, "I have no idea. Like these guys all suck. Like what are we doing?" And Jeff's like, "Come on, man. Motion offense. Think about it." Tobias Harris. Stan's like, no, pick and roll. And Jeff's like, no, like motion offense. Like, think about it. And like, you, you see the shot of like Stan sitting in his bed, like the sun falls and the sun rises again. And then Jeff calls him back and he's like, motion offense. And Stan's like, okay, I'm ready. No, I like to think, I, I like, commercial. I like to think Stan was on his like pontoon boat with Eastwood and like he's on the phone with Jeff and it like finally clicks and he's like, fine, fine, like screaming on the lake by himself. That's, that's how I envision it happening. I sort of envision, uh, I sort of envision the the Bill O'Reilly moment from Inside Edition, where he's really upset about the <laughs> I'll keep the language. PG. We'll just do it live. We'll just do <laughs> it live. Just, Stan reaches that point where we'll do it live. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> this this pod's gone there already. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so. Speaking of uh, famous social media moments, we got we solicited some Twitter questions from the audience. As always, uh, the best way to, to do that for us is you just tweet at the Detroit Bad Boys Twitter account and just let us know what you want us to talk about during the podcast. And, you know, we'll do that because we're not we're not too smart. Ideas help. Uh, but, <laughs> but but the first question that Jamie took a particular liking to was from at beware for in all caps thank you beware shout out to at beware for great great twitter follow great spotify playlist gotta give a shout out to that all right so jamie what are the best and worst nicknames in pistons history man i did a deep dive on basketball reference uh today because you know they have all the nicknames registered which is amazing um so I, I built two groups. I have best Pistons nicknames, and then I have a worst Pistons nicknames group. I have some honorable mentions in there and some additional thoughts. Um, so we're going to start with the worst to kind of get that out of the way. First off, I'm going to say ja- Jason Maxiel, the baby eater, not a fan. That's a, the, As a new dad, that, that nickname scares me. I'm, I'm just not for eating 
babies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that is an accurate description of what Jason Maxiel did. True, true. I, I guess I'll, I'll preface this. All of these nicknames and my opinion on them are open for debate. So feel free to jump in and dispute this as I go along. Uh, Grant Hill, Mr. Nice. That's a terrible nickname. Who wants to be known as Mr. Nice on the basketball court? I, that's, no, never. Yeah, that's super 90s. I think his other name was G Money, which I, I didn't mind. That's, I, that's way more 90s, and I hate that. Way more 90s. One thing I tried to avoid in building these, uh, I tried to avoid any nicknames that were like so closely related to their name. So like Big Ben or Sheed, like all those nicknames. I, to me, those aren't nicknames. Those are like abbreviations of your birth name, and, and they shouldn't be treated as a nickname. Um, third on worst picks and nicknames, Tayshawn Prince. The Palace Prince, I remember this being like a thing people tried to make happen in the mid-2000s. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I just, I, it never, I never liked it. It sounded good when Blaha said it, and it didn't sound good when anybody else said it. It sounded good when Mason said it, I think. That's true. Like when it, it was part of his whole intro shtick, I liked it at that point. But yeah, no one else. No, there's no way you can like write it out or say it to a friend and it sounds cool. It just sounds cheesy. Um, next, Joe Dumars, Broadway Joe. It's not even original. I, I, I just, I think Dumars was too understated to even have a nickname. That's let's just move on from that. He's not even like from New York or anything. No, it made no sense. No sense at all. Uh, this is going to be a, a hot take, controversial one. John Sally's Spider. Not a fan. It just doesn't doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. Ouch. Is there like a story behind that? Do we? Is there like a history to that? Or I think in the Bad Boys Thirty for Thirty, it was just like based on his, you know, uh, length. Yeah, and that was like it, that's my memory of it. But I was really young. Yeah, it seemed like he had eight arms and eight legs. I don't know. Um, the that's it for the worst. There is one that I was just shocked by. Uh, Memo or Kerr, his real name is not Memo. It's Mehmet. I was stunned by that on yeah. Basketball Reference. Really? Yeah, stunned. His name was yeah, Memo. I thought it was Memo. No. Isn't it like M-E-M-H-U-E-T? Or it's M-E-H-M-E-T, O'Kerr. I literally went to Basketball Reference and typed in Memo, M-E-M-O, and he came up as Mehmet, and I was like, who's this guy? What? This is not, it's not that's not his name? <laughs> Unbelievable. That's his birth name. All right, best nicknames. I assume Mr. Big Shot is number one because that's the best nickname. All right, I was going to do a build-up, but yes, yes, that is is number one. No build-up. No build-up. All right, we'll start from the top. Number one, Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot. When you have a a song built into your nickname, you automatically win hands down. Number two, and again, these are open for debate. Number two, I'm going to give to Dennis Rodman, The Worm. It's a great nickname. Great nickname. Short, one syllable. It's great. Number three, Vinnie Johnson, the microwave. Very clever and accurate to his role on the team. I think you get bonus points for that. Um, big fan of the microwave is nickname. Four, Corliss Williamson, Mr. Six Man of the Year. Big Nasty. That is just a great basketball nickname. I'm a big fan of that. So what what's the there's see, this illustrates a very there's a very fine line between big nasty and the baby eater. 
It's like functionally, it's very. There's very no similar. children involved. There's no children. If <laughs> but like, if Jason Maxiel was like the opposing center eater, I'd be all on board. He'd be in best with the nicknames. What if? What if he was like the big angry? The big angry? Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Big so net. We found. We found Jamie's line. Just don't involve <laughs> small children. Yeah. Don't don't involve small children in the nickname. <laughs> um, five, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Two nicknames registered. Zeke is a great nickname. He also is the original baby-faced assassin. So I felt like got to give him the final nod in the top five greatest Pistons point guard of all time. Honorable mentions: Greg Monroe's Moose is a solid nickname. Uh, Bill Ambeer, the Prince of Darkness. Rick Mahorn, McNasty. Uh, and then Lindsey Hunter and Mike James being known as the Pitbulls, uh, as they were appointed by Sheed. That's that's also on there. That was a good one. That was a good one. Ben, what was your? What do you have any extra? Anything to add? Any extra Pistons nicknames? Yeah, Buddha. Oh man! Like you talk about the most. Prob- I don't know if it's the best, but the most fitting. Like that was a. I'm really mad at him. myself for not adding Buddha to the list. That might be that might go above the Chauncey. It's pretty darn good, and I I was gonna say the microwave and the worm are two of my favorites, and they were up there. It, it's interesting though thinking about this, and I really appreciate you doing the deep dive, because <laughs> um, it's so it just it brings back so many memories. Because I was like I was eight, nine, ten years old when the Pistons were winning championships back in the Bad Boys era. But those nicknames were awesome. Like Billy and Beers is just fantastic, and and he was one of the most hated, reviled players by other fan bases that probably ever. I mean, he was just an absolutely dirty player. So absolutely perfect nickname for him. But that whole team, that whole squad, just had fantastic. Everyone had a nickname. It was crazy to go through it. Literally, everyone on that team had a nickname. So okay, so curveball. So Andres. The big penguin, which I don't know how I feel about that. It kind of works. It kind of doesn't. Tobias doesn't have a nickname. Reggie doesn't have a nickname. And Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard needs a nickname. Jamie, what should Luke Kennard's nickname be? Oh, man. On the spot. Um... We, we ran this at DBB, and everyone's kind of split between like Star Wars puns and like other movie references. And, you know, it's, it's kind of rough. So what... As as someone who's done this deep dive, like what are you? What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Um, man, I don't know. He hasn't earned it yet. That's the thing. Like the microwave, the worm, Spider Sally, like Mister Big Shot. All those guys earned a nickname. So I'm gonna bail you out, Jamie, <laughs> by saying he hasn't earned it. Yet. I, I I I was immediately off the top of the dome. I would say something with his initials. LK is is pretty good. Like L Killer or L uh, L Knasty, there you go, something like that. Um, I don't know. He's he's a great shooter. He's got kind of like a silky smooth like inside game. I feel like, I, yeah. I think he's got to earn something a little more clever than what I can brainstorm right now. But if the L K, you could just call him Silky, right? Silky, Silky. Silky's good. Silky works. All right, we we just nicknamed Luke Kennard, everybody. Hashtag Silky Kennard. Hashtag Silky. We're gonna get this going. We're gonna drive the ship. So now you got to add it to his basketball reference page. Uh, done, done. I'm I'm gonna tweet Silky like hashtag Silky probably a dozen times when they play on Wednesday. 
Jamie, you know that you can buy a player's ads on Basketball Reference, right? Like an individual player, like you can sponsor a page. I didn't know this. We need to see. Yes, that's possible. I didn't know if you knew that. We should definitely hit up the overlords at DBB. See if Luke Kennard is available and, and get this going. That's pretty... Okay, not related. Honorable mention, though, to uh, Henry Ellenson's Henny. That's a, that's a great nickname as well. I'll throw that in there. Okay, so also a little bit disappointed. A little bit disappointed we didn't hear about Junkyard Dog because that, to me, could go on an all-time worst list. Who who was that? Was that Mike James? Jerome that was Williams. Jerome Williams. Oh, I knew yeah. it. And he was like... He was like the garbage time guy for the early, early, like late nineties, early two thousands. Was it when they were sort of the Stackhouse era? Oh man, I couldn't. I I knew the name sounded familiar. I just couldn't place it to which piston to like look up. Man, the thing about that nickname is I don't like it in a vacuum, but for him, like it's another one that fits. Cliff right. Robinson also had a great nickname of Treetop. Uncle Cliffy? Treetop and Uncle Cliffy. Treetop was pretty great, though, now that he's, like, super... I think he's, like, into the marijuana business out in the Pacific Northwest. So, Treetop, uh, very fitting. That's, that's interesting to know. I always felt like Uncle Cliffy was a little patronizing. Like, he's a vet, and you come in, and you just call him Uncle Cliffy. He's like, come on, man. Like, I don't I deserve, deserve a little bit of respect? Yeah, but he was, he was like... He was the uh, origin story Anthony Tolliver. <laughs> like... <laughs> that's perfect. Like that—that that is basically the role Tolliver is is filling in right now, the Uncle Cliffy role. Basically, yeah. <laughs> All right. And I gotta say, like, so Tolliver doesn't have like a single nickname, but the Tollivers, the Tollivers, the Tolliver effect. Yeah, those. Are, yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. And then, and shout out to my boy Mike Payne, who, when Ben Wallace returned to the Pistons, I think it was him coined the term Renaissance. I thought that was, it wasn't really a nickname, but it was a shorthand way of referring to, you know, sort of his, the sunset of his career in Detroit, which I thought Is, was fantastic. I, as I was going through this, and, and now that we're talking about it, do the Pistons have the best collection of nicknames? I, I, I'm genuinely curious if another franchise can stack up to this. I would love to know if other fan bases would recognize even half of the nicknames we just threw out. You know what I mean? Like, is it a local thing? Because I feel like I don't know. Okay, so like think of the Cavs, for example. Okay, you've got King James, but then does Kevin Love even have a nickname? Does Kyrie, like do any of those guys have nicknames? I Jeff Green has a nickname given to him by LeBron James, which I think is one of the reasons why Jeff Green is on the Cavs. Uncle Jeff. Uncle Jeff. It was like when Jeff Green was in Oklahoma <laughs> City, he said, Jeff Green is like your uncle who gets you down on the block and can score on you however, however he wants. And that was like, I mean, way back if Jeff Green's in Oklahoma City. Yeah. See, I think the thing is with the old nicknames is that we recognize them, but you'll probably get people to remember like the microwave and the worm, but like Bill Lambert being the Prince of Darkness, nobody, nobody remembers that. Like the Junkyard Dog, actually, <laughs> you want to know something funny? They had Jerome Williams talking like, on the broadcast for the preseason game in Toronto, and they were referring to him as the Junkyard Dog. And I, I, was, <laughs> I was completely befuddled. I was like, why? That's amazing. Well, didn't he play in Toronto? He was. was. He on the Toronto feed? He was. He, he did play in Toronto. Was. He did play in Toronto. It was, but it was like, why? Why, why are we doing this now? <laughs> that's 
<laughs> are nicknames dead? Are, are are they just done? Is there a good nickname for like a current super superstar? The Greek Freak? I I blame the Greek Freak. Is I solid. blame Alex Rodriguez because he wanted to go by K Rod and he was too good to be anything else, and so it was like, okay, we'll call you what you were a rod we'll call you a rod but this is a dumb nickname and then from there we just got less and less creative yeah i'll also blame like social media and twitter i feel like they've killed nicknames yeah greek freak is a good one though uh nikola yoki needs a good nickname <laughs> anybody with a hard to pronounce name yeah needs a nickname. that's a basic rule like Giannis and tetacumpo like seriously the greek freak is just way easier to say I just in like uh, well, Giannis just like with an exclamation mark also kind of works as like a nickname. Even though even though it's like the Greek equivalent of like John or whatever. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. Basically like Greek Johnny, right? You hear it. That was one of the all time best Twitter questions, I gotta say. Shout outs to beware that for was that really was solid. solid. Great job, man. Alright, so this one is uh, doesn't apply to me at all, but from from Austin Smith from uh, one of our sister SB Nation sites, the Only Colors. Shout out to Michigan State football; they got rocked by Ohio State this weekend. Shout out Austin! Shout out Michigan State, even though they took an L. How much? So Jamie, how much Halloween candy did you buy for your son, knowing full well he can't eat any of it? Um, I mean most of it, probably ninety percent of it. I bought like four or five bags, and I think I only handed out like two uh, to the local trick-or-treaters. So, I mean, I still have like a full bowl of Halloween candy I'm working my way through just slowly while I watch Pistons basketball. It's really sad. (laughs) Ben, is your daughter old enough to eat candy yet? No, no, she's a year old this this week, actually. We went trick-or-treating, and we, we walked around the neighborhood because we have a really busy neighborhood. But Iris ate none of that. And in addition to that, we handed out almost none because we were gone. So I would say not less than five bags in total. That's a nice haul. There's a debate in my house because my kid is seven months old. And we were like, do we take him trick-or-treating? But wouldn't you just like judge us as parents because you know we're going to eat all the candy you're giving us? So we, we held them back, but I was, I was on the fence. No, I was like, our neighborhood is a madhouse. So, you know, it's, it's just about getting out and seeing your neighbors that you never see and, and your, the, the kids and all that kind of stuff. So there was, there was no judging in our neighborhood at all. As a relatively new homeowner who's childless, the best part of Halloween for us was like seeing all the little kids in their costumes, like coming up asking for candy. And like, if the kid is too small, but you still dress them up, like that's adorable. And we want to see that still. Yeah. So we, we distributed four and a half bags of candy. Yeah. We got, we got a lot of kids in the neighborhood, man. A lot of kids. Yeah. That's solid. Our neighborhood. We tell people to plan three to 500 trick or treaters. Good Lord. Yeah, it's nuts. It's That's nuts. Crazy. What were you saying, Jamie? Did you do the thing where, like, if the kid was extra polite, you, like, give him one more piece of candy? Or, like, if it's the end of the night, you're like, whatever, just take, like, a handful. Like, you get there's a certain power in handing out candy that you can kind of distribute as you see fit. So what we, what I tended to do is if it was, like, a really little kid, 
uh, maybe like a year and up. Well, how old are they when they start walking? Like eighteen months. <laughs> it could be a year. It's like a year to a year a and a half. But I don't have kids. Don't that was an amazing question. That was an amazing worded question. <laughs> so if if it looks like they're like barely struggling to walk, I let them pick their own candy. And at that age, they like don't know anything, so they're just like picking what's the shiniest, coloriest thing in this bucket. Uh, that thing. And so, like, that that element was always fun. And then if they don't even say trick-or-treat, I, like, stare at them. I'm like, okay, just take your one piece of candy and go. <laughs> Respect the trick-or-treat rules. You got it, yeah. There's a certain etiquette involved. Uh, all right. So thanks for the Twitter questions, fans. As you can see, it, uh, it engenders a lot of great discussion on the podcast. And if you want your question to be semi-related to Pistons basketball in the future, you can ask. You can ask him us on social media. Doesn't have to be though. I'm I'm willing to talk about whatever on here. Yeah, nice little too. break. All right. So, hmm. how do we? How do you guys want to close it out? So, do you want more five and the homestand? That's really great, Jamie. I I assumed the winners were coming and that we were going <laughs> to jam them in at the end. I was going to let you do that though. Okay. So, I went one so, and two last time I was on the pod. Pretty disappointed in that. Yeah, that uh, that Portland Toronto game was ugly. No, but that but that was the winner. That was the one winner. So I'm that happy. Was the winner? About it. Yeah, that was the winner. I lost on six points in the second quarter. You won that one. Yeah, Portland was uh, they were giving up. No, they weren't. They were getting two points. Or no, Toronto was getting two points in Portland, and I bet on Toronto. So I oh, won on okay. that. But I lost on the Spurs and I think OKC. OKC's been killing me lately. Um, all right, I'll give out three for Monday. Um, Cleveland, minus five in New York. I think the Knicks hype train's got to end eventually. Uh, and LeBron in the garden. Give me those Give me those five points, minus five. Uh, Minnesota, minus three and a half in Utah. Utah, having no go bear. Get on the three and a half while you can. And then for the last one, Lakers plus two in Phoenix. They've played close uh, in the first time they met this year. I expect it to be close again, so I like the two points for the Lakers. And Lonzo Lonzo balls out again. That's my prediction. You're not worried about uh, the suddenly defensively good Suns after they fired, uh, what's his name? Uh, Watson and finally moved Bledsoe to the team that I said would be a terrible fit. So it just shows, just shows how much I know. Um, no, I, I think Lakers uh, have enough to hang around. They're su- Lakers are surprisingly a good defensive team too. So I think that'll be that'll be a good game. I watched a decent chunk of their the Lakers game against the Bucks last night, and they they impressed me for like three and a half quarters, and just kind of fell apart at the end there. Yeah, but they actually like care about playing defense, which is like kind of surprising. All right, that's a good point. All right, Ben, how can the people uh, reach out to you and ask for pictures of Iris and talk to you about basketball? <laughs> If you ask me for pictures of my daughter, I'm going to wonder why the hell you're, you're, you're catching that block button. You're catching that block button real quick. Uh, but no, I, I do end up feeding my, my picture, my Instagram pictures to my Twitter. A lot of the time, Twitter is the best place. It's currently protected. That is not a long-term thing at BR Gulker. Uh, I pretty much re- accept. No, you got to keep it protected. It, uh, you got to keep it. It's like a, it's like an application to get in the, the BG fan club. 
<laughs> yeah. All right, Jamie, shout out your Twitter handle. At Jamie underscore Delancey. Uh, I'm usually talking Pistons or random other NBA betting knowledge uh, most of the week if my in-real-life job isn't crushing me. Um, so catch me on there. All right, and you can find me, Lazarus Jackson, at LazChance, L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, I have fewer followers than a bunch of people, and so I'm a little frustrated about that. So I'm hoping to get that follower count up. So follow follow me on Twitter, y'all. Get we got to get Laz up there. You're one of the most consistent Pistons Twitter guys. Get get on up there. I made it on uh, Duncan Smith's like Pistons beat Twitter list. So I was like, all right, that'll get that'll get me some followers, hopefully. And I've seen a slight increase in the last like week or so. And now that I host this podcast. Like yeah, like I, I should have some Twitter followers. Like I have a, I have a little too much power now. So follow me on Twitter. If you catch like a one or one or two retweets from Duncan, that can really that can really feed you into some NBA follows. Yeah. I have to see if he wants to come on this pod and talk some pistons. I'm sure he would. Or just talk about Halloween candy. Ooh. Best Halloween candy. Peanut he would break down like an analysis <laughs> Guys, of the foot. Here's graphic. a thread on Halloween candy. <laughs> Did you know the plus minus rating on candy corn is negative fifteen? But if you add <laughs> peanuts into the rotation, yeah, the net rating for yellow Starburst Starburst is like minus fifteen. When red and orange Starburst are in the package more than yellow Starburst, the net rating <laughs> right, is exactly, plus twenty five. Exactly. So don't at me about Andre Drummond being bad. Also, give Tobias Harris the ball. <laughs> Chelsea Duncan, that was—he's a great follow, but that was funny. Yeah. All right, everyone. That closes our happy, irreverent uh, Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm Lazarus Jackson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>